Hello everybody, welcome to the Fit and Strong Podcast, where we talk about muscle growth, fat loss and healthy lifestyle. My name is Mirza and welcome to the third episode where I will talk about muscle growth and how to go from skinny fat to fit and lean body in three simple steps that I personally used on myself but also on my clients that I successfully coached. Let's start off with a scenario. You have a typical scenario of an individual trying to lose weight and get in shape. His number one goal is to drop weight from, let's say, 110 kg to 90 kg. And he wants to go as quick as possible. This individual goes on a diet, cuts calories to be in a deficit, and adds lots of cardio and some weightlifting training on top of that. After three months, he reaches his goal of 90 kg, but he still doesn't look fit. He did lose a lot of size. He kind of looks skinny in clothes, but fat without clothes. A type of look that usually leaves people disappointed. So what is happening over here? Shouldn't you be looking ripped with abs and nice muscle tone when you lose that much fat? Well, not really. If you're a complete beginner or somebody who did not exercise for a very, very long time, lack of muscle mass means that even if you lose all the fat, there's simply nothing underneath the fat and you end up looking skinny and soft. I see a lot of people go to the gym for years and still looking like this. So how do you avoid a situation? Well, there's three simple steps that I use and that are tested and proven with many different people. So I'm sure that it will work for you as well. Let's start. The first step, prioritize weight and ditch the cardio. Yes, if you're skinny fat, your goal is body recomposition in favor of lean muscle gain and fat loss on top of that at the same time, of course. Is this possible? There's hundreds of studies where participants successfully managed to gain muscle while losing fat at the same time in the deficit. Some studies actually used untrained individuals, which is a very common objection by a lot of people who argue against this. But some studies use professional athletes, highly advanced, and guess what? Results were the same. For example, there was a study on elite rugby players from the NCAA division. Their average strength levels was 174 kg on squats and 131 kilograms on bench press. So they were quite advanced. They were put in an energy deficit of 20% with a goal of weekly weight loss of 0.7%. As a result, fat mass decreased by 30% while the lean body mass increased by 2.1% during this period. Now you may think 2.1% is not a huge number, But keep in mind that these were elite athletes, highly advanced athletes. So any strength and muscle growth is truly incredible in this kind of a deficit. Basically, this is just a point to prove that gaining muscle in a deficit is quite possible. How is this a possibility in the first place, you may wonder? Well, let's see what do we need for muscle growth. We need three things. Number one, lots of water. Number two, we need protein. And number three, We need glycogen and triglycerides. All three components can be easily covered in deficits, actually. You drink a lot of water, that's very easy. You eat a lot of protein, also very easy, to support muscle growth. As for the glycogen and triglycerides, well, that's basically energy. Now, you may wonder, how do we, where do we get energy if we're in a deficit? We're in an energy deficit, right? Well, how about your storage? An average male, of 75 kilograms and let's say 18% body fat, which is quite average, 
stores around 126,000 calories on its body. Yes, your body stores a lot of energy for rainy days. So there's definitely energy. And that's why it's possible to gain muscle even in a deficit. The second step is set calories no more than 20% deficit. This part is very crucial. I know people that like to reach their goal as soon as possible, especially if they have body weight goal. But one of the reasons why people end up dissatisfied with their look, even when they reach their weight goal, is because they set the initial caloric deficit too high. This hampers muscle and strength progression, and as a result, even when you lose a lot of fat, you end up looking skinny fat and still very soft. So basically the skinny fat look. So an alternative to this is to slow down the rate of weight loss by going for a smaller caloric deficit. If you're more to the skinnier side at your starting point, it might be a good idea to even go maintenance and completely avoid deficit. Very skinny individuals need more muscle and should not be obsessed about abs and fat loss at the very beginning. And one of the things to blame for this is actually the social media and the pressure that everybody gets. Everybody needs to be ripped 24-7 and uh, 365 days a year uh, because of this social pressure. So as a result, everybody's concerning how to get, how do you get abs? How do you get abs? Well, how about building some muscle first and then getting abs later? On the other hand, if you're closer to the 20% body fat range, basically if you have a bit of a belly or love handles, so even, even slightly above 20%, which most people do if you look at the average numbers for both males and females in their 20s, I recommend going for a 10-20% to 20% caloric deficit as a good starting point. Actually, let's look at the official average numbers according to the American Council of Exercise. So the average body fat percentage for women is between 25 and 31%, while for men, it's between 18 and 24%. So statistically, most people fall in this range of body fat. And frankly speaking, it's not optimal for straight bulking. And I'll explain why. Bulking outside of the optimal body fat percentage affects nutrient partitioning. Now, nutrient partitioning is the ratio of muscle to fat gain when gaining weight. The higher the ratio in favor of muscle gain, the better the nutrient partitioning is, of course. Typically, people with higher body fat percentage have a worse nutrient partitioning. So let's say if an individual of 20% body fat decides to go on a straight bulk, what will happen is he will end up getting more and more fat with not enough muscle growth over time. This is something that we want to avoid. Let's look at the reasons why nutrient partitioning is not favorable for individuals with higher body fat percentage. Number one. Chronic inflammation. Basically, chronic inflammation is caused by fat tissue in your body, and that affects muscle growth, specifically muscle growth signaling in the body. It just masks the signal for muscle growth when they need repair because there's a lot of chronic inflammation. The second one, carbohydrate tolerance. So this is directly related to insulin sensitivity. So the fatter someone is, the worse their insulin sensitivity. And this can also decrease the thermic effect of food which directly decreases your energy expenditure. It makes it easier to gain even more fat. The third one, hormonal health. The higher the body fat percentage, the lower the testosterone levels, of course. And this can even increase cortisol levels, the bad hormones. So basically, the fatter you are, the lower your testosterone levels, which directly affects muscle growth and nutrient partitioning. So before deciding whether you go for maintenance or deficit with calories, you need to assess if you're in an optimal range first. What is the optimal range? Well, based on the experience, for men, it is anywhere between 9 and 15% of body fat, while for women, 
it is between 17 and 27. Going above this will most likely result in unnecessary fat gain and your ratio of muscle to fat gain is most likely only gonna get worse and worse. In practical terms, to know if you're in this range, men should never lose the definition of their abs and women have a bit more space for the upper limit as extra fat gain will result in more feminine curves before getting fat on the belly. So if you have belly fat, basically, you're out of this range for sure. The third and final step is keep track of everything. This is a game changer, seriously. Keeping logs of your workouts and what you eat will change the way you look, period. The reason why is because first of all, you can track your strength progression workout to workout and aim for progressive overload, which is super important when it comes to the uh, getting bigger and stronger. This has a lot of psychological effects that you would be surprised actually. It even happens to me, honestly. Sometimes I go to the gym, I put a certain weight for squats and I really feel that I cannot go heavier than that. I just feel that that's my maximum for today. However, if I look at the notes of what I was lifting the previous week and the previous workouts for squats, I get shocked. The way that I was moving in that workout, I'll, it just shocks me and just tells me, okay, I need to go heavier. I need to go out of my comfort zone. Sometimes your mind plays tricks on you just telling you that it's fine, you don't need to push yourself, you don't need to go out of your comfort zone. It's better to stay here and relax, you know? Uh, don't put a lot of weight, just move the weights a bit. You should go to for a deload or you should do, uh, you should relax a little bit. Don't push yourself too much, you'll get injured. So this is basically your mind playing tricks on you and you trying to find an excuse to go lighter. Keeping the notes will tell you exactly what is your target for every single workout, what is expected of you, how your performance should look like. If you do everything correctly, your performance actually should be highly predictable. You see, how you feel often does not reflect on what you should do in the gym. Blindly following the feeling will often cause you to get stuck with your progress very quickly as your body naturally resists and doesn't want to go through the stress of resistance training every single week. So you're basically facing a conflict between your ultimate goal and what your body is comfortable with. And remember this, your body will always prefer to do what's easy. It is in our human nature. Tracking and logging your workouts will give you an idea of exactly how much weight you should use every single workout to make sure that your progression is on point and that you apply progressive overload. When it comes to tracking what you eat, while dieting without counting calories is certainly a possibility, if you're new to this, I highly recommend to go through an initial phase of counting everything. This will teach you a lot about the content of the food and will give you a very important skill which we can later apply for ad libitum dieting. Ad libitum meaning dieting without tracking your food. Think about it as a foundation to getting a basic knowledge about food and the content of food. This phase is usually an eye-opener for many of my clients as they realize why they were getting fat in the first place once they found out how many calories they were consuming through certain food options. Why is basically tracking everything and logging everything important at the beginning? Well, well studies show that average individuals typically underreport daily intake up to 40%. To understand why, we need to dig into cognitive neuroscience. The way the encoding of memories works in the brain is that it does not begin de novo with each perception. Encoding of the memories is the result of limited amount of information available to perception at any given moment being patched together to form memories with varying degrees of accuracy. 
So what this means is basically that memories do not operate like video recording. In the case of reporting on food intake, previous eating occasions intrude on the coding of current consumption to produce false and fuzzy memories. So remember, eating is the activity that you repeat over and over again every single day. And these memories basically mix together and uh, they mash up and then they create false images. As a result, most people underreport caloric intake. This is why most people claim that they're special and that they still cannot lose weight even in a caloric deficit. I mean, simply laws of physics, they, they just, just don't apply to them. What is really uh, happening is that they're wildly underestimating their caloric intake in the first place. But actually, what is really happening is that they're wildly underestimating their caloric intake in the first place. So, there you go. These are my three simple steps to go from skinny fat look to completely fit. It cannot happen overnight, remember this, but following these three main principles, you can get quite far with your physique. Just remember to stay consistent and keep trying. It's like sailing a ship while being on an open sea. There's no land in sight for weeks. Everywhere you look, in each direction, there's simply just sea. These three principles are like a compass. They show you exactly which direction you should be sailing to, and you just have to have faith in it, and the land will appear. If you have any questions about this, you can find me at BeFitAndStrongFitness.com. Let me know if there's anything I can clarify for you. Thanks for listening, and have a great one, guys. Take care.